This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. Freezing cold in answer nine two zero. You the cold maze say one freezing cold in answer nine two zero. All right. We've last talked, Alpino, the, uh, the Blues have won a Stanley Cup. Do you think uh, Brett Hall's still drinking somewhere? I'm most disappointed. I've, I've never been happier disappointed in 24 hours of my life. There was that video that came out that said it was him walking down the middle of Market Street at 3 in the morning smoking a dart and yeah. drinking a beer. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. Yeah. I could have sworn it was him. Yeah. But at first, at first glance. Could have sworn it was him. Yeah, from the way the angle was, the yeah, way the angle like was, it fooled a lot of people. Yeah, it fooled a lot of people. I'm just a guy walking down the street having a good time. Do you think anyone has legitimately enjoyed this victory more than I was thinking about it. Like on the ride over here, I was thinking like, you know, the boys have had a big time. Clearly, we've been able to watch it uh, day by day, but. I think Brett Hall's had the biggest time. Brett Hall's had a real good time. Yeah. He's had a really, really good time. Yeah. And I couldn't be happier for him. Yeah. I just didn't know he was so big of a drunk now. Yeah. I mean, him and Chaser obviously have beer bellies. I mean, they, they, they can put some Bud Lights away. Yeah. Well, have you ever thought about, like, what would you do if you were essentially retired? I know he's the I know he works for the Blues, but... Well, he's, he's, a, he's a scratch golfer and a member at Old Orson. Right. So when he gets done playing, he probably has a couple cocktails. I think he almost qualified for the U.S. Open last year. Seriously? Is that good? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. He's literally like a one handicap. Wow. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah, he played. That the- doesn't shock me. No. If you're that great of a hockey athlete, you're probably that good of a golfer. Yeah, I mean, he's just natural hand-eye coordination Yeah, is, is what you need there. Just like his dad. Pretty much. Hey, it's the St. Louis Happy Hour Podcast right here on the St. Louis Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on all your favorite podcast apps there on the Apple Podcast app, uh, Google Play Music, Stitcher, or Spotify. Just search STL Happy Hour. You can also find us on the website, stlpodcast.com, and also like our Facebook page, would you please? It is facebook.com slash STL Happy Hour, brought to you by... Henry Kitchen and Bath. Visit them online at henrykb.com. Andy Hanselman, alongside John Alpina Sander. Glad to be back with you guys. We took last week off. I had some uh, family birthday parties last Monday, and then we had a Game 7 on Sunday. I didn't even know if I wanted to podcast after what we saw on Sunday Well, you had Game 6 Sunday. Game Game 6 Sunday. Yeah, Game 6 Sunday. Game 7 on Wednesday. Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, so uh, no hedging... So be honest, after game six, after what you saw with the Blues, with what happened with the Bruins, did you honestly believe the Blues were going to win game seven? Well, I knew the track history or the track record of the team and that they'd always bounce back from losses like that. Yes. I didn't know what they would do in game seven. I really, I honestly, I didn't know. I knew that I, I had said the previous week that if they won game five, they would come back and win game six here and win it on home ice. Right. And then I said, if they didn't go to, if they had to go to Game Seven, that I, I don't think they could win it. And I, I, I wasn't, I wasn't real high on it. At least you're honest. 
Yeah. I had a feeling. I mean, you got me. The only problem, I have to be honest because I said that on the air. So people right. can go back and, and listen to that if they I mean, wanted to. I'll be brutally honest. Uh, after the shellacking they took and the way they looked, I had doubt. But something inside me thought, for whatever reason, re- you know, throwing logic out the door and reason out the door, I thought I thought they were going to do it. Now, again, thinking they're going to do it and then them actually doing it and then somebody being like, hey, would you bet it? I didn't bet it. I no, mean, I, I, would, no I, I wasn't about to bet it. I did win in Vegas because I bet it when they were in the what second round against Dallas when we got married. Yeah. yeah. And what were the odds then? Uh, four to one. What'd you throw it on it? Uh, 50. Yeah, so you a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. How about the guy who threw down 400 bucks and won 100,000? So happy for him. Seriously, I'm so happy for that guy. How cool is that? He he took his nuts, put them on the table back when nobody else was putting them out there. That's a friend it. of a friend's friend. Oh, really? Yeah. So you got like a six degrees separation uh-huh. from him. Six degree there. Actually, it's like three. That's pretty cool, man. What is... God, I wonder what you do with your 100 grand. I guess invest it right away. Yeah, you live off that interest. Yeah. Well, you can. Really cool, man. Yeah, Good let that guy. let that principle just grow. Never ever touch that principle, ever. You think the Blues will lose anybody this season? I think they have to. I think there's some cap problems. Yeah. So I know Maroon was one year. I know Gunnarsson's up for uh, contract. I imagine a guy like Gunnarsson's probably gone. Um, I, I I highly doubt Maroon's gone. I would think they could probably tie yeah, him. Yeah. The up. problem, what they would, and I don't know what they have to do with Bennington next season. They're gonna have to pay him money. He's a restricted free agent. They're going to have to pay him. He is this year. Yeah. They're going to yeah. have to pay him. I heard him talking about it on the radio yeah. today. So what do you do with Jake Allen and his, his $3.5 million a year for the next two years? It may, it may even be more than that. It may be $4.5 million a year. I think, I mean, could you trade him right now? I don't know what kind of trade value he has right now. I mean, there's probably a team out there that we're not other than thinking the fact about. That he's, other than the fact that he's healthy. Yeah. And when he is good, he is good. I mean, when he's, he's good, he's, he's good. He's shown that he can be an, a very, very good NHL goaltender. Is he Jordan Bennington? No. No, is Jordan... And I don't even know if Jordan Bennington is just a, just a, a flash in the pan either. I mean, that's, I don't think so. That's I don't think so either. I think what you saw this playoffs proved that he wasn't. Like, honest to God, I've never seen anything like I saw the first period of Game 7. I've never seen anything like that. It was unbelievable because the Blues... I remember I was sitting there watching the game inside because we were... We, uh, so we got to, I got to go to Bush Stadium for Game 7. Awesome for the uh, for the watch party, uh, courtesy of our friend Matt Barra. He took us there, so we were in one of the suites back behind home plate. You know, they look like condos mm-hmm. with porches. Yeah, yeah. So we were in one of those things. That's really cool. <clears throat> His new company has. You walk in there, and they have like their name in the place, so it's like it's their it's their season. Yeah, it's their home field. Their home field. Their home. Their home thing. So. Uh, I remember the uh, the waitress lady came in to check on us and said, hey, you guys doing okay? I said, hey, we're doing great. I said, oh, this is cool. I said, this is the Blues' first real scoring ch- real first scoring chance of the game. It was like 16 minutes into the first period. Yeah. And they had set up the, and they had set up the first four check. Yes. And they were... Took a minute to establish it. Yep. Took a minute to establish it, and they got it all set up. And I'm like, oh, this is good. This is close. And right then and there... Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly, the, 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 the tip... Yeah, the tip, and uh, it was crazy. I I just remember watching it, going, "Oh wow, they look really sloppy for for the first period. They were moving fast, but they looked sloppy. Boston Passes were out. all over. Boston came out so hard, which you had to expect. Home ice, game seven, absolutely for all the marbles. You had to assume Boston was going to come out, and I think that's where you have to look at Bennington and go. I mean, my God, they threw everything at the net. The Blues, everything. the blue. I mean, yeah. I mean, did how many shots did he face in that first fifteen I think minutes? It was like seventeen. 
It was ridiculous. It so was the insane. so the Blues defense didn't do much to, to shut down. I don't the think Bruins. they could because they kept turning the puck over. Right. That's the problem. That's kind of been the problem, if we're being honest, for a Stanley oh, Cup yeah. team. That turnovers and penalty Absolutely. power plays are, the, are a problem. The, blue, the, the Blues win when they when they don't turn the puck over and when they stay out of the box. We've said that a bajillion times. Yeah. And they got lucky that they that Boston didn't score. But those saves, I mean, it, it easily could have been two or three to nothing before Ryan O'Reilly scored. Oh my god, easily. And then when easily. he scored, I mean, everyone's already talked about it, but it's like it broke the hearts of Boston. And how couldn't it, honestly? If yeah. you think about it, like if you're out there just firing away nah, and Bennington's just shining it away, it was the second goal with with eight seconds left in the first. Petro, period. and that was a nasty goal for nasty, a defenseman. Nasty goal. <laughs> so, so okay, so to explain the scene. Now you're here at Bush Stadium. You're guessing there's about twenty five thousand people there. Yeah. So based, what happens on based, the first goal? Base. Oh, the place went batshit. Really. Just crazy. Crazy. Did they have like sound effects like eh, or anything they did. like that? They were, yes, they were playing the goal horn. They had, I don't think they were, has, if they had someone there playing the organ. Yeah. Or if they had just, you know, taped organ stuff. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, but they had the sound effects and they had, so they had like the home game effects. And were people just standing out in the rain? Because it was raining during the game. A lot of, well, during, uh, during the game, people, they, uh, people were in the concourses. Yeah. Hanging out, watching the game. Yeah. 25,000 people on top of the 20,000 at Enterprise. How cool. On top of whatever, whatever was else. Whatever was in the street. <laughs> Got a bottle of champagne from one of the streets, from one of the suites on my on my way out. Oh, did you really? Nice. Took it down to the street, shook it up and sprayed it all over everybody. I oh, over that's a group awesome. of people. So yeah, it was fun. To you called me. I remember you called me at the end of the game to listen to the Let's Go Blues chant. Yeah. And, uh, God, that's so cool. God, I don't know if you so could hear cool. it or not. It, it was not like Couldn't you... really hear it, but it was just so great. You called me. Uh, Lauren's cousin, Travis, who lives in Wyoming, called me. Um, I, my buddy Pee Wee called me. People people were calling, and it was just... Okay, now let me take you to your my next question for you. When, when the buzzer sounded and the Blues officially won the game, became Stanley Cup champions for the first time in 52 years, what was the initial... First question, what was the initial thought that went through your mind? Second question being, what was the initial feeling that went through your body? Even with 30 seconds left in the game. Right. And they're up four to one. I'm like, they can still blues this. <laughs> yeah. It, they, they can still blues it. Right. And and by blues it, I mean. They've done this before. Something stupid is going to happen in the next 30 seconds. Right. Yeah. To where it's done. Uh, the fireworks went off. Yeah. Uh, actually, I got a little emotional after the third goal. Yeah. I didn't cry, but I, you know, I welled up a little bit and kind of just got you choked knew. up. You kind of had a feeling, had a feeling that it was going to happen. And then when uh, on the screens there, and they're they're showing all the post game stuff, and out comes Gary Bettman, or you know, out uh, Phil Pritchard with the with the cup, and then there's Gary Bettman, and he hands it out to Petro Angelo, and he's holding it up, and then they're you know the classic shot of the cameraman moving away from the player, yeah, skating towards him, looking up. With the blue note, yeah, and the cup over the head, I'm like, oh my god, that's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. I, I don't know if I could even put into words. So the the first thought I had was disbelief, like this this isn't real. Yeah, and I and that's when it became real for me is when yeah is when Petrangelo picked it was host, was hoisting the cup over his head, and then. It, it was this like euphoria. Now, I mean, I've seen the Cardinals win twice in my lifetime, 06 and an 11. But like, and as happy as that made me, 
unbelievably, um, this made me happier. I mean, self-admittedly, this made me happier, which just kind of blows my mind because I still get goosebumps when I watch the YouTube highlights, and I am a nerd that does that, the YouTube highlights of Game 6, 2011. Yeah. Like watching David Freeze, you know, and then Joe Buck will see tomorrow night. But yeah, it was incredible. It's incredible. Similar vibes for me. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow night. Is it's very very similar vibes to what happened to me on Wednesday night. And this this was a last minute invite, and yeah. I was I was I was expecting to like to go home and make some hamburgers and watch the game with my family and right and hang out with them. I said I got a call. I said I can go watch the game at Bush Stadium. She says go. It was awesome. I so, wish I could have gone. You were you were kind enough to call me, and unfortunately, I Lauren and I were. Yeah, it was at such houses. a last minute thing. I mean, I just you know I totally understand. Yeah, Not we were we were deal. in the middle of looking at a house that we're, we're we purchased a home in the last couple of days, but we were looking at homes then, and it was like I'm like in the middle of talking to the realtor, and it was like oh crap, I can't go, you know, blah blah blah. But it was it was so cool. I mean, I saw the pictures that you had. It was yeah. awesome. It was so cool, man. It was. A, it was. A, so, what were the streets like? When you oh my god, it was insane. Like it was insane. How many people would you guesstimate? I mean, probably. I mean, all twenty five thousand that were in the stadium, plus probably an additional ten that had walked down from Enterprise Center to go to Ballpark Village, just partying it up. Yeah, and the, and then of course the people from Ballpark Village didn't really come out; they stayed in. Sure, once you're in. Yeah, once. Well. Yeah, so that because I'm sure that it was at capacity, and they were because that they weren't letting people in at that point. So, um. It was it was euphoria. I mean, everybody's high fiving each other. Uh, it was the happiest I'd ever seen downtown St. Louis. Yeah, uh, which is saying a lot, a lot, lot. Yeah, um, they've experienced some great stuff with the car. People were. I mean, they there was a souvenir vendor right across the street. Yeah, and he had you know, and so people were coming up and they had. You no, know, there were a couple one that's a, a couple um, flags that says Stanley Cup champions, but it had the old blues trumpet from the from the nineties. Oh, cool! And then kind of that color scheme on a flag. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of neat. I'm Brilliant like, on his part too. Yeah, I'm like, I need one of those. Yep. See, how about the guys with the little pop up tents? Brilliant. There's been this guy here in town. Oh, you got it over here too. Oh yeah. 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 He's and he sells out every single day at about thirty five bucks a pop for a t shirt. Good for him. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I like. I have a list of people that I'm happy for. At one point, I'd like to like just talk about it. But like, I- I'm so happy for those vendors. I'm so thrilled for the bars and restaurants around the area that have had a windfall of money because of what twenty five nights of this. Yeah. I mean, making money off this money that they would have not generally seen, at least to this expenditure of you know what I mean. Like, how great, man. For everyone. What, well, what was their record in, in the postseason? 16 and 9? Definitely 16. Let's see. So they would have lost. How many did they lose to Winnipeg? Two. Two. Uh, they lost three to Dallas. That's five. five. They lost two to San Jose. That's seven. And they lost three to... Ten. So they were 16 and 10. Right. Right. In the postseason. So 26 games. 26 games. That's so great for all the bars, restaurants, vendors. I mean, think about all the people that like just sell Blues clothing. I mean, Rally House. I tried to go to Rally House the day after the Blues won. So I went Thursday morning at 7 a.m. on my way out down 141 right before I hit 44. Uh, There's a Rally House in Gravois Bluffs. And I went in there at 7 a.m. in the morning thinking, well, there's got to be something. I went in there and the whole damn place was cleaned out. Did they open up that night or something? They never closed. So oh, they like, never closed. So think of it this way. They normally close at 10 o'clock. The game ended about 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock, yeah. So they were like, F it. We're just going to stay open. 
and they had the delivery of the Stanley Cup stuff immediately there. So I guess people just ransacked the place. Yeah. And I was asking the people, I'm like, what was it like? And they're like, oh, my God, there's people just drunk off their ass, which good for them. Why yeah. Wouldn't you be, you know, uh, in their shop and buying as much as they could? Did you buy any memorabilia or anything yet? I have not. I have a um, I did buy a lapel pin. I, I like collecting oh, cool. pins. My dad did the same thing. So I have a um, so my but the pins the pin just says it has a Blues logo and a, and a and a Bruins logo and it's a Stanley Cup Final twenty nine. It's exactly what my dad got. Yeah, same, it's exactly what my dad same got. Thing. Yeah. So now I will, I will go get a Stanley Cup champions lapel pin because I have a little I have a, a, a shadow box that I that I put pins in. I got a Ryan O'Reilly shirt. And then I took, um, there's a picture that's been floating around the interwebs of Patrick Maroon and Ryan O'Reilly intoxicated. Ryan O'Reilly holding the Conn Smythe Trophy and Patrick Maroon holding the Stanley Cup. And they're all on the plane? private plane yeah. on the way back. I took that picture and blew it up by 16 by 20. Yeah. And, bought, and it, so at Walgreens, I paid eight bucks to have it blown up 16 by 20. And then I put a $20 frame. And now I have a giant 16 by 20 picture framed of that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, instead of paying like sixty or seventy bucks for a picture, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, and I thought that was like the unique picture, seeing a local boy holding the cup, obviously with more elation and excitement than yeah. he's probably ever felt in his entire life. And then Ryan O'Reilly, who's one of my favorite players on the Blues, you know, smiling with the Guinness in his hand. It was an incredible run. Uh, ESPN power rankings came out already today. I heard. Where'd they put us, Andy? ESPN says that we are sixth. In the NHL, how is that even possible? And the Bruins, you... the Bruins are two. Tampa Bay is one. How is that possible? How do you win the cup and win the cup in the fashion that the Blues won? Right, dominated, dominated, and they win the cup, and then they're sixth. I understand if they're not first. Like you go, okay, yeah, whatever. Somebody else could be one. That that's understandable. Not second, not third, not fourth, not fifth, but sixth. Sixth. I don't understand that behind the Leafs. Such BS. Here's the deal, too. We're not going to lose. Honestly, we shouldn't lose that many people. I don't think so either. Because damn near the whole team's under contract. Yeah. Seriously. And guys like Robert Thomas, they're going to heal up. All that stuff's going to come back. They're going to be back and healthy. I saw the extensive list of injuries with the Bruins players. Brutal. Brutal. It's brutal. I did not see. I did not see a similar list for the Blues. Well, if they well, are, they're all so drunk still that they're not feeling have they, it yet. Have they just not been to the doctor yet? <laughs> I don't think they may have been to the doctor yet. I was trying to look that up. I, uh, yeah, so it, here's the list of it right here. Uh, Kari had a broken sternum and a foot injury. Uh, Patrice Bergeron had a groin injury. Jake DeBrusque, a concussion. Brad Marchand, groin, abdominal, and sprained hand. David Pasternak, a thumb injury. Uh Zidane Char had multiple fractures in his jaw, needed wires and plates just to keep it together. Unbelievable. And a groin injury on top of that. Mac Rizlick, concussion, brain testing to continue. John Moore, broken humerus, four to six month recovery. Kevin Miller, Kevin Miller maybe? Two broken kneecaps. No, the same same kneecap is broken twice. Yeah. Yeah. Vertically and horizontally. Oh, my God. I thought there were. I thought everything about the St. Louis Blues was so cool in 2019. Um, even from the very beginning, when he went out and got when Doug Armstrong, the GM, went out and got Ryan O'Reilly, right? Traded away dead weight. No offense, Patrick Berglund, who's not even in the league currently. Uh, traded away dead weight. Traded away Bla- Vladimir Saboka, who a lot of people liked, but was as clearly as it showed, was kind of at the end of his thing. Got rid of Tage Thompson, which. 
you know, decent player, but a young cat, not as good as a Robert Thomas or anything like that. Got rid of all them, got Ryan O'Reilly. Um, and, you know, then didn't he re-sign Perron? He re-signed Perron. Re-signed Perron for the fourth time. For the fourth time. That's crazy. Yeah. You know, and then he brought up Robert Thomas. I mean, and then when you, oh, my God, to have the balls to fire Mike Yo that early in the season and then to go, we're going to bring in Barubi, who's nobody outside of real old school hockey fans knew who he was. Yeah. Bring in Barubi, and then Barubi has the balls to go, I got this kid that I was coaching down in the minors, Jordan Biddington, and he brings him up. The whole story of it is crazy. The whole story of the Blues is crazy. And the local boy, Pat Pat Maroon. Yeah, who was a healthy scratch back in November for yes. several games. Yes. He's having such a tough time out there adapting. I mean, just everything about it is is honestly great. The story of Gloria, that whole situation. Yeah. Uh, it's all so cool, man. Honest to God. All the alumni, I'm so happy for, like like you were saying earlier, Kelly Chase and Brett Hall and Bernie Federico and obviously Bobby Plager. All those guys, it's so cool for them. Chris Pronger, Al McKinnis. So cool. Pronger is a big wig with the Florida Panthers. He's about to become their GM. Really? Yeah. And that's he, where Quinville's at now, right? Yes. Yeah. So he's about at the... Uh, or, I shouldn't say he's about to come. He's he's on a path yeah. to become the GM in Florida. Mm. Which why those two would want to be down there in that shithole? I have because you get to live in Florida and get paid. I I guess so. You know, I, I guess that's the the point of it. I mean, what do you think Quinville's getting? I mean, Quinville probably making a couple million a year, probably. But it was good to see Pronger back mm-hmm. for all this stuff. Yeah, because he had really been kind of been absent from St. Louis for quite a while. Yeah, did it end poorly? I, w- I don't remember it. Well, not really. It was just at the time when the the Lorries, um, no, it was not the Lorries. The Checkets were trying to sell the team. Okay. Dave Check was trying to sell the team, and it, he told Larry Blow to unload everything. Yeah, I, I wondered so, what that was about. Yeah, and so they had, and so Larry Blow took Pronger over, I think, over either to uh, Night Horse or over to Cardwell's, and let him go, and say, "Hey, you know, this is it. Yeah, we've got to." We gotta, we're trading you, or we're, or we're not going to resign you, or whatever it is. So yeah. you know, good luck, you know, in your future endeavors, kind of deal. I probably should know this, but was Doug Armstrong a player? I'm sure he was. I just kind of wondered that. I, I never knew. I don't know anything about Doug Armstrong, the yeah. GM of the team who made this all possible. It's cool to see Larry Plow on a float. Yeah, Larry Plow's a nice guy. Yeah, I got to know him a little bit when I was covering the team back in the uh, late '90s, early 2000s. How was he? Nice guy? Oh, extremely nice guy. Sure, he's a salt yeah. of the earth type of guy. Yeah, very, very. I mean, most hockey guys are really, really nice. Because they're all from, you know, the middle of the woods, middle of the farm fields in Canada. Yeah, and St. Louis is just, and people, and that's, that's, why, that's why all the alumni hang around here. Because St. Louis is just the perfect size for somebody who came from a small town. Yes, and the fans go bat crap for the Blues, man. They really do. Look at what the parade. It proved... The, the the so there's there are estimates out there from 100,000 to 1.5 million people showed 1. up. 1.5 is not real. Just I hate to no. break anyone. And neither is 100. Right. Uh, someone did some math, and they said, okay, you know, it was this many square feet, 2.8 people per square foot. Okay. Ends up being about 385,000 people, plus or minus 10 percent on the high end, 420,000, which is incredible. It's that incredible. sounds and that sounds about right. That sounds about like what I was looking at. Yeah, when they would show the aerial views. Yeah. When I heard one point five million, I'm like, you're on drugs. There's no way. No. No. Not from what they were showing, at least. No. <laughs> I mean, unless there are people, unless there are kind of people like in the hotel rooms looking down at the streets, 
Yeah, I guess you could be doing something like that. In Ballpark Village, they're counting that. Yeah, they're counting. I don't mean, who knows what exactly what they're counting. But look, look like on the streets, on the parade route. And you got to think, too, that most of the people that were at the at the arch grounds early watched the parade on the screens there because yeah. they wanted to be there early. Yeah. So there are easily 100,000 people at the arch grounds before anybody else got down there from the parade. I asked my buddy this the other day, would you have rather have been at the parade or be at the rally part? Like if you had to pick one. Oh, the parade. The parade? Yeah. More than the rally? Yeah. Rally looked kind of stupid. Yeah. Oh, then Brett Holby and we went blues. Oh, my God. Brett. <laughs> my dad said he saw him chugging like that fireball or whatever. Yeah. I didn't see that part. Gloria. Oh. <laughs> he starts singing. Unbelievable. He's the best. Is that vi- is that video up online? The glory when he's singing. Yeah, Gloria. I'm scared to I'm scared to search anything because the last time I tried to bring it up here on my browser, my computer totally crapped out. Oh so no, don't do that. I re- so I really don't want to search anything. I say I can see if it can pull it up for me. <laughs> but and, anyway, somebody made a ringtone of it. No, it's him on, doing the. It's on Twitter. Yeah, someone made a ringtone of it. God bless him. God bless him. He's the best man. He really is the best. I I was so happy. I mean, like, like I said, what a what a awesome awesome story. Like, I I don't know how it could have ended any better. Like, I'm happy for everybody, man. I didn't even think about it. Kachuk, that was one of the people that I was happy for. How about all the other people, like the announcers, John Kelly, Darren Pang, Joe yeah. Vitale, Chris Kerber. I mean. I'm happy for my dad to get to see it. My dad finally got to see a Stanley Cup champ. You know, sucks my brother didn't get to see it. How cool is it with John Hamm? John Hamm, yep. you know, flew back in to see it. That was awesome. Nelly was rapping about it. Laura Branigan and her family getting Gloria back into the mainstream for the first time in 30 years. She's dead. Yeah, I know, but, you know, her family. Season ticket holders. All right. See so what can... this is. Gloria is a great song, but have you heard the Celebration remix featuring Brett Hull? Iconic. Here we go. Something else, man. The best part of, about Brett Hall on Saturday was the shirt he was wearing. Uh, it said something like, like Ric Flair. Drip. Ric Flair drip. Yeah. And he, he, it's a picture of him flipping off the Boston bench. Yeah. From game game four, I believe. <laughs> His I don't give a F is so oh, he great. he gives zero Fs. It's so great. I'm so happy. I mean, I'm, I'm just so happy. 
there's no way to properly um, memorialize the 2019 uh, St. Louis Blues. No, there really is. There's there no really isn't. Words, you know that you could that you could say um, other than just how cool it is and how happy I am for our city and for all the players uh, and all the diehard fans, the real Blues fans. The, and you know who you are. Yes, I'm. You know, I'm a Blues fan. Yeah. But I am not a diehard. I used to work. I used to work with a guy who was. I mean, actually, everybody everywhere I've worked, I've worked with a diehard. Right. Uh, my buddy Scott Smith, who I worked with over at uh, one of the big credit agencies. Uh, my old boss, Mark Giannotti. Yeah. Got to go to Game Six. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Was, was a season ticket holder for years. He's just a huge Blues. I mean, the real Blues fans. Yes. The family that owns Fraley's is like that. Huge Blues fans, just like obnoxiously. Yeah big blues fans and don't get me wrong sports is why i ever got behind a microphone in the first place but like i've always been able to separate a little bit you know like yeah like i don't consider myself a fair weather fan by any stretch of the imagination i keep up with them during the season and correct try to go as many games as i can and which isn't very many sometimes but um absolutely there are bigger fans than me who live and breathe and die with this hockey team yeah and have had their hearts broken their heart's broken. And the coolest part is now nobody can ever take this away. Ever. Can't ever take this away from the city of St. Louis. You can't take it away from the players. You can't take it away from the diehards. You can't take it away from the coaches, the organization. It is forever linked that the St. Louis Blues are actually champions. Actually champions. I with a guy named Bob. I, can't think, I wish you could remember Bob's last name. Bob was a huge Blues fan, too. Mm-hmm. And he was... And, uh, yeah, just just guys like that. Just guys like you know that I knew. We get in, you know they they make themselves well known that they are they're bluesers, and good for them. Yeah, good for it's them. great. It's it, so awesome. I was trying to explain it to a couple of my buddies who were texting me. Uh, I have a buddy Jeff who listens to the podcast, and buddy John who listens to the podcast. They were both asked me, you know, uh, when they like texted me right after the game, and then they go, "Well, how do you feel?" And I go, "Do you remember what you felt like in 2016 when the when the Cubs won? Because they're Cubs fans, right?" I go, that's how we, that's how I feel. Yeah. Like, that's how I feel right now. It's like, you took a, you took a boulder that had sat on this team and this city's, you know, hockey, you know, life forever and took it off. You took the boulder off. Finally, they finally did it. And to do it in the manner that they did it against the teams they did, they didn't beat Pansies. They beat Winnipeg. They beat Dallas. They were lucky as hell to beat Winnipeg. Yes. They were lucky as hell to beat Winnipeg. Winnipeg yes. was a much better team. They beat all of those teams, and then they beat Boston in Game 7 in Boston after getting their asses beat in Game 6 and at then What home. the fuck's Boston doing having a little a little second-place celebration? It's a little strange. It's a little strange. For those who don't know, Boston decided to have themselves a little party. With Little John. With Little John, the rapper. Uh, for whatever reason, they had what? this party to okay. celebrate, I guess. Yeah. I guess they were celebrating second place, which is really strange to me. And it's very strange to me because it's Boston. Like, I heard Tim, you know, on the radio today talking about, like, if it was Winnipeg, I can I could see them having a, a second place sure. thing because their fans get a little bit of celebration. But Boston, they win a championship every 30 days. Yeah. What the hell are they celebrating a second place thing for? And to be honest with you, they got the ass beat in game seven. It wasn't like it was close. No. I mean, they fired shots on net. That was a lot. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. But we, the Blues, I can't say we, I didn't play. The Blues. I thought I saw won. you out there. Yeah, I was out there. You could see me. I did have questions. There were two guys, the, the, the two very last guys to hold the cup. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't know who they were. Oh, really? Yeah. I they had were they po- players? Oh yeah. The very that's what I meant to say. The the very the 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 two last players. I know they gave it to Thorburn right away. He was one of the guys who got it right away. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I can't find these guys. And there was McCarran or whatever he yeah. had the Irish name. M-A-C. How about Michael Delzato? Yes, he was traded to us uh, from the Ducks. We got him at the trade deadline. Gotcha. I don't know if he ever played. And if he did, I think he played like one game. He never played in the playoffs. Yeah, he was a defenseman for, I believe, the Anaheim Ducks. I think that's correct. Michael Delzato. He was the one who... Ironically enough, was the one called out by Lisa Ann on Twitter. I guess he tried to slide into her DMs at one point. Oh, oh yeah, I thought I, I thought that's why I recognized. The I name. believe that was Mr. Delzato. Yeah, he wasn't even on the. Was he not on the roster? Not on the postseason roster. Hmm. Well, I think once they found their chemistry, you know, with the guys. I mean, make jokes about Bo Meester all you want and guys like that, but. They figured it out. They put it together. And Baruby figured out the right combinations. That was the most important thing. Baruby's the guy that some will give a lot of credit to. And a lot of times when he's not the player, they kind of get forgotten. But Baruby was the guy, man. Like, Baruby made this possible. Yeah. Him and Bennington. Him and Bennington made it possible. As great as Ryan O'Reilly was, as awesome as it was for the rest of the story, without those two guys, it doesn't happen. Goaltenders are like closers. And they're just Gotta have crazy them. as fuck. Gotta have them. Oh, you gotta have them. It was an incredible run. It was so much One fun I'll to watch. Never forget. I never ever forget it. I I honestly will remember it in the same way that I remember the 2011 Cardinals. And I remember in the same way too that I remember the 1995 Blues who lost in the first round of the Canucks after a tremendous shortened season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's when that was like one of the first really one of the first times they broke my heart. And then the, the following year in '96 they lost uh, on the Eiserman slap shot. After Gretzky turned it over. So I guess I never got my heart like severely broken by the Blues because, you know, the deal with the Blues was like, perfect example would be 2016. When Sorry, they, that was 97 with Eiserman. Well, right. But for me, I like really remembering like, who, or hopefully who they're not anymore, but who they were was like in 2016, they beat Dallas and then they went into San Jose and got stomped. Right. And it was like, oh, okay, this is the Blues. This is yeah. the Blues. The team that like is good, but eh, never good enough. No, that's not the case. Or the 2001 team that went in, that beat, uh, I think they beat San Jose, then they beat Dallas, and then they went and got stomped by Colorado four games to one. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's who they were. I'm by so glad Joe that's Sack over and, now. Joe Sack and Ray Bork. And- yep. I'm so glad that's over now. Now it now the, 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 the table is turned. Even if they don't win again for another however long, it's ta- it's turned now. Now you know they can do it. They'll be chomping to the bed if, they go, if this goes on another 50 years. I, I have a feeling... They got some more run in them. I think once you taste success like that, success is addictive, man. And if you keep mostly the same team, same coach, same chemistry, I mean, the four check, that's something they're not going to forget how to do. No. They're not going to forget how to hit. Or cycle. Or or cycle the puck. I mean, that's pretty much their chemistry and what they do. That's the ingredients to what they use. Look at a team like the Blackhawks who have won three this decade. They've won it, or actually, you know, so actually, look at the Penguins as well. Penguins won in 17 and 16. The Blackhawks in 15, 13, and 10. The Kings, Kings in 14 and 12. Mm-hmm. The Bruins in 11. 
And then you go back to the Penguins again. I mean, the Penguins also have three in the past 10 years. And the only reason any of those teams stopped winning so much was because they lost their players. Like the Kings lost a lot of their players. To, yeah. To the Blackhawks lost, you know, they're, those guys are getting old. Yeah. Well, and the contracts. Kane and, Kane and, um, God, I can't even think of the Taves. Guy. Yeah, Taves, Jonathan Taves. And Patrick Sharp got traded away. Yeah. Traded him away. Mm hmm. So once you got rid of that, I mean, you start losing players. That's just kind of what happens. That's the nature of the game. Same thing is happening to the Cardinals. The Blues win a cup every three or four years for, for, uh, I would be excited. Until between now and 2030. I would love it. Winning a championship just makes it um, better since we don't have a third sport. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes it that oh, much absolutely. better. Absolutely. Because when you only have two sports, you you live and die with them. We live and die with the Blues and Cardinals. And when you don't have them, you don't have the Rams, even if when, and when they were crap. I mean, at least you had them. Yeah. That's the bad part about all that. Yeah. It's nice to have it now. It really is. I Got a long way to go to catch Montreal, though. What do they got? How many do they got? They, at one point, I think they have 24 of them. 24 championships? Are you serious? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Holy crap! That would that would I would never have guessed that. Um, but they haven't won one since last time Montreal Canadiens won, nineteen eighty six, with the great Patrick Waugh in net. You know, uh, I don't know if you're interested. They won four years in a row in the 70s, 76, 77, 78, 79. Wow, that's like Pittsburgh Steeler type stuff. And then through the sixties. Oh, and then no, oh, sorry. Here, let's let's just go back here. Fifty six, fifty seven, fifty eight, fifty nine, sixty, uh, sixty five. Now, 66, in all fairness, there was only how many teams back then? Well, before nineteen sixty six, there was only six. Okay, it's a little bit less than what we. Have sorry, sixty seven. Then the Blues were in three years in a row with Scotty Bowman as their head coach. Mm-hmm. Two against Canadians. One against the Bruins. I got some trivia for you if you'd like oh, to I like trivia. Blues trivia. Oh, I like let's it. Let's see if you can do. All right. I uh, I found this online. Kev? Uh, let's see how you can do. All right. Red Bairdson scored a team record six goals in a single game against which club? I will tell you that it is a Eastern Conference team. Toronto. No. I will tell you that Craig Berube played for them. The Flyers. The Philadelphia Flyers. Correct. Number two. In the team list of single season top goal scorers, Brett Hall holds the first four slots by himself with 86, 72, 70, and 57, respectively, and is tied for the fifth slot with which other sniper at 54 single season goals? I would have never known this, and I might even say the name wrong. You're going to make fun of me. This would have been before my time. Before your time. Because mm-hmm. I don't even know how to say the last name. First name's Wayne. Wayne Babbage? Yeah, Wayne Babbage. There really? Yeah. I know Wayne Babbage was a goal scorer. Interesting. Yeah, okay. Have, must have had 54. Number three. Who holds the team record for penalty minutes in a season with 306 penalty minutes in the 1975-1976 season? <laughs> Bob Gassoff? Yes, correct. Nailed it. Who holds the Blues' career record for goalie shutouts with 25? It's more recent than you'd think. Brent Johnson? No. 
more Brian Elliott. Yeah, Brian yeah, he's Elliot. Brian Elliott. Which that kind of shocked me that Brian Elliott's yep. one. Uh, the Blues franchise retired the number eight in honor of which player? Barkley Blaker. Nice. Who holds the team record for most wins by a goalie in a season with 42 in the 1999-2000 campaign? That would have been Roman Turek. Pay attention, Roman. Pay attention, Roman. <laughs> Who holds the St. Louis record for career points with 1,073? Who holds the St. Louis record for career points? Uh, it's either points? Brian Sutter or Bernie Federko. Bernie Federko. Correct. Who holds the team record for career penalty minutes with 1,000... 1,786 penalty minutes. Wow. Damn, that dude was in the box all the time. Bob Plager. Brian Sutter. Bro, it was Brian Sutter. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Who's plus minus mark of plus 52 in 1999-2000 season is the best ever for a blue? That means they were killer on the power play. You have recently spoke of this fella. Chris Pronger. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And finally, number 10, who's 90 assist in the 1990-1991 season set the team record for the St. Louis Blues? That'd be Adam Oates. That's right. You nailed it, dude. Hull and Oates. Hull and Oates. Nice. I like those trivia quizzes. That was a good one. Yeah, that was all, uh, believe it or not, that was from the Jefferson County Journal, and it was from Kevin Carberry. Oh, very nice. So, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Appreciate Kevin. That. That, that was, My dad that was... shared that with me. That was a uh, that was a really that was a good trivia quiz. I think I only got like three of them. I'm not that good with all that older with the older stuff. Oh, I'll see, I'm like I'm a nerd about that kind of stuff. Yes, you're good with that. That's why I would not have wanted me to be the one yeah. answering those questions. Yeah. I wanted to ask you because I figured you'd get about what you got, which I think you got like seven of them. Yeah, so <clears throat> it's pretty good. Did you watch? Did you see all the videos of the boys at like Obi Clark's and Wheelhouse oh, yeah. and all that? Yeah, like Dave and Perron up on the bar at Wheelhouse shaking the, the bottle and going nuts. Yeah. Did you see the? <laughs> I, I I missed it, but Lauren had pointed out uh, the Frank Cusimano getting sprayed in the face during the parade. Did, Did not see, see that? that. I think it was Braden Shen got him with uh, champagne. I think that's who it was. Frank either got a, a new uh, a new do or a new uh, dye job for Game Six. His hair was super black, jet black, jet. I mean, just Winnipeg jet, jet black. black. Yeah, jet black. So good for him. Tell you what else was good to see. It was good to see uh, it, uh, Mike Bush was was calling yes. a lot of the highlights of the games. Yeah, the post game stuff, and it made you make you remember how good he was. Yes, with those highlights. Yes, I loved Mike Bush growing up. <clears throat> Channel 5's Mike Bush. For those, so we have some Chicago people that listen. Uh, Mike Bush is a local anchor here who, for twenty plus years, was a sports anchor for. Yeah, pretty much came came to the market in about eighty five. And became a, a news anchor about, God, it's probably been 15 years ago now, 2005, 2006. Yeah, somewhere a little bit after somewhere 2001, there. I believe. But yeah, I mean, he was a, he was the sports guy in St. Yes. Louis. And so and he, him and his producers invented the Sunday, the one-hour Sunday night sports program. Mm-hmm. And here in St. Louis on Channel 5, it was called Sports Plus. Yeah. And it started with him. It was in-depth highlights. Yeah. And then roundtable with... Uh, crazy radio people he like get charlie tuna and kevin slayton who are two very outspoken radio personalities in st louis at each other's throats i mean and And it was great tv it was it was appointment television yeah they got huge huge ratings and mike was always the perfect moderator like between with between the two uh outspoken personalities Another small trivia fact. I mean, I'm sure people remember him being the Rams play-by-play voice 
play mm-hmm. by play with for a season, but it was a season that they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then what? Savard took over. Savard took Steve over Savard from there. Took over. Yeah. And Mike Bush got dogged for, for being so because people thought he was so bad as the Rams play by play guy. That's such BS, man. It's he such was a subjective thing. He was fine. Yeah, it's so subjective. It's ridiculous. Is I, Savard much more knowledgeable about football than Mike Bush? Yes. He played it. He played it. Right. But. Doesn't make him better. Doesn't make him over the top better like that. I guess Jack Snow was not very nice to Mike Bush. I could see that. And they say they say that Jack Snow was actually a very, very nice man. But mm-hmm. that he was not very nice to Mike Bush. If you're not a football man. Yep. That's just how it goes. I mean, it's just like hockey guys. For those that don't know, again, our Chicago listeners, sorry. Yeah. But Jack Snow was was the color analyst for uh, for almost the entirety of, of the Rams' stay here in St. Louis. He passed away, oh, probably four years before they moved away. And then uh, a guy named DeMarco Farr, who was on that world championship team in, in 2000, uh, joined uh, joined Steve Savard uh, in the booth doing the play-by-play. So I thought the call by Chris Kerber at the end of the game was spectacular. I know we can't, we might not be able to look it up just because we're... Technically, uh, little technical difficulties. I don't want to no, lose the podcast, we're, we're, obviously. I think we're doing okay. I'm going to uh, give it a shot. The Chris Kerber call with Joey Vitale at the end of Game 7 was pretty great. I mean, Doc mm-hmm. Emmerich killed it. Doc Emmerich's was great, too. I thought he handled the stage really well. Doc did kill it. Yeah. Uh, it what was... volume were they playing at uh, Bush? Was it Kerber, or were they playing the NBC? Do you remember? They had the... Um... Camo X feed? No, they had the NBC feed. Yeah, the NBC with yeah. Doc. Doc Emmerich is the best play-by-play, though. He is the best hockey watched play-by-play. A, I watched a uh, a thing on, I guess he did an interview on, I forgot it was like on, if it was on, uh, I'm a real sports, Brian Gumbel. Mm-hmm. And I think they must they must rehash this interview because it was, it was a couple years old. Um, so they must rehash the interview about this, about this time every year. And they... Um, they said he pretty much on average he uses over 300 verbs per night to describe how the puck has moved around the ice, pitchforked, rolled, mm-hmm. um, scooted. Uh, you know, pitchforked was the one that stuck out to me because I just love it because it's just a great way to describe. Yeah. If you say someone pitchforked the puck across to the other player, yeah. you know exactly what they did. Yes, yes, he he creates the best visual possible when you're listening to a game. Like, uh, put it this way, Lauren was watch was wasn't watching the game, but she, we had it on in the living room, and she was busy uh, working on those bows that I told you about a couple weeks ago that she's making. And she goes, "Oh my god, who is this guy?" And again, for those who don't know or have been living in a cave, Doc Emmerich is the voice of NBC, who does the Stanley Cup, and Doc and does all the Olympics. Does I forgot what he does during? He does. I think he does track and field. Probably does. He for, can make in the summer Olympics, but he does, and then he does hockey, obviously for the um, for NBC during the uh, during the Winter Olympics. Well, Lauren looked at me and she goes, "Whoever this guy is, he's incredible." Because she goes, "I I like am in tune to the game, and I know exactly what's happening, and I haven't looked up in twenty minutes." He's just so good. Doc Emmerich's fantastic, but Chris Kerber locally, I'm telling you, we are very lucky. To have who we have between John Kelly, Darren Pang, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale. We're very lucky in St. Louis. We are very lucky. Uh, you know, the games are, Blues games will not be on KMOX anymore. Where are they going to be? All 98? No, they're going to one. They, they signed a contract with, with uh, 101 ESPN. Oh, that's huge for 101. That's big for them. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's on a, that's a huge, huge stick. Wow. 
That's a hundred thousand watts FM. It's as big as Y ninety eight. Y ninety eight has one has the has one of the biggest sticks in St. Louis. Them, uh, it's your one one oh one, and then who else is a hundred thousand watts? Uh, KSD ninety three seven, I think. Huge sticks. What about Keishi? No, 50,000 no. 50, watts. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, good for uh, ESPN 101. That's great. Here is Chris Kerber and Joey Vitale at the end of Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals. A team that was in last place on January 3rd. The players on the bench are bouncing up. History will be made tonight in Boston. 15 seconds to go as Shen blocks a puck to the corner. 10 seconds remaining. Get up, St. Louis. Get on your feet. Raise them high. Five seconds to go. And the time winds down. They did it. It's over. The game is over. The series is over. The wait is over. And the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions for the first time in franchise history. The St. Louis Blues have done it. They've done it. The Black Aces are out. The team has swarmed Jordan Bennington. The coaches are hugging and crying. I can't believe it. I cannot believe what I am witnessing right now. St. Louis, a team that was put together in the fall. New faces, new roles. They struggled and struggled and bent. And on the verge of breaking, they found their game after Christmas. They came together. They fought together. They won together. And now they are Stanley Cup champions together. This is not a dream. This is real life St. Louis. Let's party. That's Chris Kerber and Joy Vitale, courtesy of stlouisblues.com on Camo X. Really, really good. Really good. Not scripted. No. So he he, uh, actually had talked to Doc Emmerich Mm -hmm. that night. Chris Kerber did? Yeah. And asked, you know, what are you going to say if it happens? Yeah, what so do we, we don't what copy do, each other? What do we do? And oh, and Doc didn't know what he was going to say. Do we have Docs too? Are you able to find Docs? I know that's throwing you on the spot. I know that's an ass move on my end. Sorry. Uh, I was just trying to think. You know, end of. And so I was reading a, I was reading a story too, and he said that um, before Jack Buck passed away, Kerber had a chance to talk to him, and Jack Buck always regretted the scripting of home run of 61 okay. we said you know there's uh you know a home a home run headed for planet maris you know and he had scripted he all like that. that yeah he said he regretted uh he regretted uh, doing that you know scripting that call well, I think in a moment like that, the absolute best way to handle it is just to just let whatever is going in your mind go. I understand the pressure of wanting to script it so you say everything you want to say, but I think sometimes in the moment, you just let the moment take over and do it. Fun fact about Doc Emmerich while you're lo- trying to look it up, Doc Emmerich is a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, and he remembers 2013 quite differently than we remember 2013. He most certainly does. Uh, he was on well, our favorite morning show on TMA on 590 The Fan here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, outstanding mm-hmm. in that interview with them. He really was. And uh, let's see. I wish I could find this. He was talking about how, like, uh, the Pittsburgh in 2013, as Cardinal fans, we remember, you know, getting to the World Series and losing to Boston. But we forget that we beat Pittsburgh along the way. And unfortunately, as a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, 
uh, you forget that his heart got broken. But it was pretty good. It was a really good interview. Really good interview. I would always... For all any of the listeners that listen to our program, uh, if you like nitwittery, if you took like uh, like a Howard Stern meets a sports program, the morning after, uh, here on five ninety the fan, uh, I would definitely, I would definitely uh, tell you to listen to it. You'd really enjoy it. Plus, you get to hear Andy when it's live. Right. Sometimes. Lauren heard you the other day. The Lisa Ann. Uh, oh yeah. Live one came over my uh, iPhone or whatever, and she goes, "Oh my God, that's Andy." I go, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> I know. And then we heard you on the Ask Lawrence. I was listening to one of the Swopes picks. Hello again, chaps. <laughs> your British voice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awful. I mean, that was so we, great. We've we've already so delved, we've already delved into how so bad great. some of that previous voiceover work was. So great. I'm getting close. I'm. I'm I think I. Blues lead one nothing. It is battled for by Perron and onto the back. There's Doc. Sent around behind Zach Sanford. There got one out in front. Score. The Blues have connected. It's Ryan O'Reilly on a feed from Sanford, and it's one nothing. Petrangelo holding. Got it to Bowmeister. Shoots one. Score! Bowmeister! It was deflected in front by O'Reilly, and it becomes one to nothing. The Blues with the lead. Schwartz able to take it, dropped it on back. Sick. Now. Around in front. Score! Petrangelo with 7.9 to go in the period. Tarasenko say one in front. Score! Shen. Braden Shen has made it three to nothing. As stepping back in and being wedged to the corner was Perron, but he walks right out with it. Perron fed it across. They score! Again, the Blues have made it four nothing, and it is Zach Sanford, the New England-born winger, that has made it four to nothing. The Blues at the bench are realizing that they are going to be champions. The longest wait for a first title any team in this league has had. For the first time in their history, the St. Louis Blues are the Stanley Cup champions. So cool, man. That's a really neat highlight package. I'm yeah. glad I found that. Yeah. Doc's so good. He's so good at how he describes... He, uh, so he was the voice, and so the way he got discovered... Oh yeah, I never knew the story. So what's the deal? So he he really is a doc. He's a PhD in something. Are you serious? I gotta look this up. I had no idea about that. So that's why they call him Doc. But he was the voice of the New Jersey Devils for years. Okay. Uh, I want to say close to twenty five years. Uh, he's seventy two years old. He's always been kind of nerdy. He was always kind of nerdy looking too back in the eighties. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, some fun facts about Doc. While you look this up, he's from La Fontaine, Indiana. He was born August first, nineteen forty six. He went to Manchester University, Miami University, and Bowling Green State University. Uh, and so been broadcasting since nineteen seventy three when he was hired by the Port Huron Flags. To do play-by-play on WHLS radio and PR for the for the IHL team in 1977, he took on the same two roles with the AHL Maine Mariners, broadcasting that club's Calder Cup championships in both 78 and 79. Emmerich then served as the Devils' first voice after moving to the state, arriving for the 82-83 season, staying there until 86. And then he moved on to the Flyers, uh, and then. 
uh, in 93, returned to the Devils to replace Gary Thorne and continued to be the Devils' voice until July 2011. He announced the Devils' 95 Stanley Cup victory alongside color commentator John Davidson for the National United States broadcast on Fox. Remember the Fox NHL debacle? Yeah. Uh, he's done play-by-play play for everybody. CBS, NBC, NBC Sports Network, ABC, TNT, ESPN, Fox, CSTV, Sports Channel, Philadelphia, Prism, Fox Sports Net, and others. Wow. Hired, he was the lead play-by-play play announcer for the NHL and ESPN from 86 to 88. Uh, and then came back. So then did Fox stuff after, after that was going on and then came back to ESPN when they had... Because remember, they used to have the package of like NBC Sports Network has now, where they would have regional games mm-hmm. all over the place. <clears throat> uh, oh, he calls water polo for the Summer Olympics and calls men's and women's ice hockey at the 26, 2010, 2014 uh, Winter Olympics. He's also done some NFL stuff. So he's been, oh, he's done. Oh, he's done NFL stuff. Yeah, he's done everything. Doesn't it just feel like 2019? I know this is prisoner of the moment and prisoner of being from St. Louis and a blues fan. Doesn't it just feel like a movie script? Like the whole thing. Like the whole blues run. Doesn't it just seem like such a movie script? All of it. The local boy, the interim coach, the rookie goaltender, Gloria, the improbable run through the playoffs, losing in game six, winning in game seven on the road, the chinchilla. All of it. Brett Hall, all the alumni. Like, it just seems so, like, perfect. Pretty perfect. Can you believe how skinny Jordan Bennington is? That's what they were talking about. Have you not seen the picture of him in mm-hmm. Vegas? N- uh, no. He looks like he weighs about 130 pounds. Maybe that's how, how, why he's so flexible. Probably. Probably. So, of course, you know, at the bottom of every Wikipedia article, there's kind of like a preceded by and then succeeded by. Mm-hmm. Section. So I'm still on Mike Emmerich's page here. So he uh, he was the Stanley Cup Finals American Network Television play-by-play announcer from '87 to '88, '95 to '99 with Gary Thorne on ESPN, and then 2006 to present. Okay. Preceded by Sam Rosen, currently NFL announcer on Fox, mm-hmm. and Ken Wilson. Oh baby, your favorite. He's one of your favorites. Yeah, I love Ken Wilson. Do we ever do we ever figure out again what Kenny's doing? Yes, he's yeah, he's running uh so you know he started the uh the Frontier League here in the area. Mm-hmm. Uh which has teams like the Sage team, the the Gateway Grizzlies, okay, and the O'Fallon team. Okay. They're the River City Rascals. Uh-huh. So you know he started all that stuff. Started it meaning what? He founded it. He founded the, he founded the league was the commissioner of the league and then also started those two teams with his good friend Wow. Rich Soge and then uh, so the then guy. So he probably didn't have to work at all. I don't think those things make a ton of money. Really? You know, they, I guess they, not. They probably make some money, but probably not a ton of money. Yeah, I guess not. He's doing the same thing in the Pacific Northwest is what he's doing. Okay. And so he's running He's running baseball. He's a baseball guy. Even though, Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, he's much bigger into baseball than he ever was into hockey. Wow, I had no idea. Seems like he would have been a good baseball announcer, too, if he wanted to be. Yeah. Ken Wilson was a hell of a blues announcer. I know we had some people didn't love his shtick here in St. Louis, but I always enjoyed him. Um, here, hang on, let me find this. I still can't believe somebody won one hundred thousand dollars off the blues. Mm. 
and he never sold the ticket. He may have just been calling Cincinnati Reds games in 1985. Bill Burgess, the general manager of the Reds, smart shot, the majority owner. A standing room only crowd in Cincinnati on its feet. First inning, Pete Rose against Eric Shaw. Ball one. It'll be interesting to see if Eric Shaw tries to pitch Pete the way Lamar Hoyt did last night and that would be fastballs in and change ups away. Rose looking for hit 4-1-9-2 and it's one ball one strike and he really had a confident rip. And that was a fastball in tight which I think is the way that they'll try to pitch him since they were successful with it last night. And that is really the only spot in Pete's batting stance that he's vulnerable in. Wow, if Ken Wilson actually sounds like a great baseball human. announcer. Two balls, one strike on Rose. And that's Joe Morgan with him as well. Everybody on their feet here in Cincinnati in a worldwide television audience watching these moments tonight here at Riverfront Stadium. 2-1 pitch from Schaub in the left center. There it is. Rose has eclipsed Cobb. That's number 4,192. Pretty big moment. That's a big call. That's a, a huge real, call that's to a really be a part good of. Call to get. And so you remember, I don't. I, you probably don't remember this. So back in the day, be, there was it was like the, the the very early predecessor of Fox Sports Midwest was Prime Sports. Okay. Okay. Before that, it was pretty much called the Cardinals Television Network, and it was pay per view. Really? Yes. Back then, they only showed about. 40 away games a year up until up until about 19 god 91 92 oh wow that recent that recent yeah if you wanted to watch home games you had to, you had to go until about 1986 when the cardinals television network came on board and then you could at the very cheap price of in 1987 of 30 dollars about buy the game and watch it at home on your on your on your dish or on your uh, wow or on your through or through your cable system. Now a lot of the reasons for them not having television networks back then was mostly because they were scared that it would keep people from going to the game. That's correct. And then they figured out that it was the exact opposite effect. Right. It made people love the game. It made people more. love the game and want to go even more. Mm-hmm. Yep. I I see both sides of that argument. I would I I could see some owners being concerned like oh if they could watch at home why would they why would they come to the game? I remember so. Channel 11 showed some games, but, you know, KSTK Channel 5 here in St. Louis had the broadcast of those games uh, for a long time, too, with uh, Jay, Rand- uh, Jay Randolph Sr. Mm-hmm. was on the broadcast. And then, and then and for some crazy reason, they got the Sunday games back, again, mid-2000s, yeah, and put 75-year-old Jay Randolph back in the booth. Yeah. The nicest man in the world, by the way. Uh, he hangs out at the Rock uh, Normandy Golf Club on Saturday mornings, and, and is the and he's a world class, world class broadcaster. Jay world Rand- class broadcaster. Jay Randolph. If you Google Jay Randolph, for those who may not know him, Google him, and you'll see all of his credentials. And it is crazy. It's crazy how much Jay Randolph has done in his career. Yeah, it's so cool. 
and he uh and it's just and it's like I said before, even with all that beside all that he's just the nicest man mm-hmm. met presidents met you know he's 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 met everybody he just yeah. and he knows everybody anyway he had no business being in the broadcast booth right for the St. Louis Cardinals I shouldn't say that he shouldn't have in the no early business. 2000s right it was yeah. a tough go yeah happens sometimes that's the only way you know when it's time to kind of hang her up yeah you know what I mean? Like, Brett Favre only found out because he got pile drive so many times in the ground where he eventually <laughs> was, all right, I can't get up anymore. You know, sometimes that's how it goes. You can't all have your John Elway moment, your Peyton Manning moment, you know. Go out on top. Let's listen, let's listen to this. This is Mike Shannon tell the, the story about Jay Randall. St. Louis is that's Frank Cusimano right here. That introduces the game of golf and teaches life lessons to almost 40,000 kids per year in the region. Today at beautiful Norwood Hills Country Club, they had their golf tournament. That's the Hall of Famer, Orlando Pace hitting the ball. Not much Harry of a clue there on Orlando. Blues was on hand. And Harry the Hake's one a good move. Mike Shannon, who told a great golf story about he and former Channel 5 sports director Jay Randolph. Well, Jay Randolph and I, and you know Jay, we'd get up in the morning, we'd play golf, and then we'd go to the racetrack, and then we'd go to the ballpark, and then we'd start drinking. He could only drink one bottle of wine. If he drank two... I'd play him the next day, but if he had one, and you couldn't play him. He's too good, too good. Oh, the man is priceless. Also, yeah, uh, I have to imagine those guys had themselves quite a little pony when they were younger. Mike Shannon and uh, Jay Randolph oh, and guys boy. like that who got the call games back then. Well, Jay was <clears throat> Jay Junior was on the air telling stories. Yeah. So Jay Junior is. I, Maybe he's gonna be fifty this year. I think so. He was born in sixty nine, so he was just a little, just a little kid. His dad was taking him to the ballpark and stuff. But yeah. before they went to the ballpark, Jay would Jade Senior would go do the was the sports director at KSDK Channel Five here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So he had to do the five and six o'clock news. Then they go over to Fairmont where he, where Jay would handicap the ponies. <laughs> yeah, he liked to bet the and it the horses. Got to the point where the producer would call him about thirteen minutes before he had to be on the air. And the producer, the producer would have all of the stuff ready to go for him. What and, a different life it used to be, man! And he would just show up, read it, and then he said they would go back to the track for the tenth race. It was a different life back then. Those guys made money too doing doing those jobs. So this is called a 1972 sports special with your host Jay Randolph. Let's listen to this for a second. See if it's any good. But the Blues family was a happy one again because even the most avid worshippers is that Blue Jay's Note voice? Uh-huh. Is Jay Randolph much senior. of a chance to even make the playoffs, much less advance to the semifinals. Two of the Blues key players, Gary Unger and Frank St. Marseille, agreed on the formula for success. Al Arbor. Uh, I think that even this year, Gary they weren't even counting on us making the playoffs. We made it uh, because of Al Arbor as a coach, I think. He pulled us together, and uh, now it's just uh, a fact of getting experience, getting used to one another, and in the coming years, I think we're going to have a great club. Well, I think that uh, probably Al would be the this biggest factor in uh, getting the players together because I think that... Uh, he knew how to handle uh, younger players a lot better than uh, the coaches we had previously. It's not, uh, I'm not saying anything against Billy McCreary or Sid Abel. It's just that I think that Al, uh, take a kid like Gary Younger, he played with him when he was in Rochester and he roomed with Gary and he probably kn- understands Gary a little more than uh, the other two would. And I think that, uh, I think Al was probably the big factor 
in uh, bringing us together. You're talking about uh, in terms of communication, Frank? That's yes, Roger I Colbert. think that he can communicate a lot better with the younger players than uh, probably uh, Sid or uh, Billy. Ron Jacobo was a mainstay on KMOX for years and also a, a, KSD, uh, a, a reporter at KSDK as well. So. Good. Why, even Mickey Mouse thought Arbor was the greatest at an unusual ceremony at the arena. Hi, my friends came from Disney on Parade. This is when we all got together at Disney on Parade and took Snow a White. vote <laughs> and decided that you were just the super coach of the year, and Mickey has an award for you. Well, fine. Thank you very much. He was going to get a trophy, but, or he was supposed to, but it's a lot. Oh, Mickey Mouse was. <laughs> very nice. Thank and you on- very much. <laughs> That's Bob Plager in the summertime. He's talking about Winnie the Pooh. Get surprises every day. Get surprises every day, says Al. That turned out to be a rather prophetic statement. Arbor was given a new uh, two year contract. about a 40 year old Ron Jacober here on He my said screen. he felt he had some security this time. The Blues went to camp in September and started the season on what you might call thin ice. They were not playing well. And remember the Mickey Mouse watch? Well, after 13 games, Arbor must have felt like giving it to general manager Sid Abel. We broke the story here on Channel 5 that Arbor was fired. Abel was asked why. Well, Ron, there are probably a lot of reasons why. Uh, Number one, we haven't been winning. We've played uh, 13 games, and we've only won two of them. Ooh. Uh, We've games at home. It's a rough start for the Blues. And we've only won the one game at home. Sounds like the beginning uh, of the 2018. I went over and talked to Al right. this morning and uh, sat down and, and discussed things. And uh, I have to say, I don't think I, I've ever met a fellow that wants to win more than Al Arbor and wants to work harder than Al Arbor. But for some reason or other, we feel that we have potential on this hockey club, and they weren't playing up to their potential. And uh, we just hope that a, a coaching change will make them a better hockey club. So former Blues player Jean-Guy Talbot became the fifth different coach for the Blues in two years. He'd been coaching in Denver. Fifth Talbot explained how years. he would run the Blues. Uh, all I ask for my player is respect, and then I'm pretty sure I'm gonna, they're going to give it to me, and then and that's all. You see, uh, uh, I don't believe in screaming and yelling at the player. You don't have to. I mean, you just this have to make them understand because I was playing myself. In television. Television. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nowadays, you be, have two and a half uh, minutes. And then, uh, I and didn't really like quick it. Highlights. And I don't think that really helped me old either. School but I'm trying yeah. something different. What is this, know. like 70, uh, but that 72. But really worked last 72. year. And, and when you've got the guys to do it, I think it can really work. Well, at year's end, the Blues, while playing perhaps a bit better, were still mired in sixth place in the NHL West. Sports 72 continues after this message from First National Bank. That's cool. There's a little bit more if you want to hear it. Soon you can do most all your banking any hour of any day in the year, right at First National Bank in St. Louis. You see, First National Bank will be offering a new automatic 24-hour banking service Ooh. called Is Bank it me or 24. Can you hear the real going? It works with the a special Bank 24 card. And all you do is insert it. You enter your own personal six-number code, and you're ready to complete your transaction. Now, of course, Bank 24 can give you cash, but that's just the beginning because you can also make deposits, transfer funds from one account to another. You can make different kinds of payments. Bank 24, coming to First National Bank in St. Louis and to other First Union Group banks in Missouri. And that means that you can actually bank 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. How do you like those bankers' hours? For more information and an application for a Bank 24 card, call 
5373. St. Louis benefited from the so called war in the tennis Jay world. Jay and Ron are reading out of three ring binders. Between the International really? Lawn Tennis Association and the World Championship we're Tennis, right now. the world's top pros were barred from playing at it's Wimbledon. Just, it's, it's just, just the reading out of it? In yeah. the year that the best in the world would be playing here in the summer in the Holton Tennis Classic rather than in London. The tournament was held at the Dwight Davis Center in Forest Park the week of June 27th. Shortly before a drawing for the pairings was held in the office of St. Louis Mayor A.J. Cervantes, it produced one big surprise, matching the top player in the world, Rod Labor, against Tony Roach, a difficult first-round cool. match for Labor. Pretty neat. That's really neat. 1972, so that's, what, 57 years ago now? No, no, 47 years ago. 47 years ago. Yeah. You're making me older than I want to be. Wow. 47 years ago. Yeah, because my dad would be, yeah, 57. Wow. 47 years ago. That's crazy. That's awesome. I don't know, man. Really happy for whole city and everything. I really am. You want to play some Gloria and then take a break? You got Gloria? Are you, of, do you course have have Gloria? Glo- of course I have Gloria. I'm just looking at more stuff here that we can listen to. I'm having fascinated by it. I hope, I hope, I hope the listening audience is fascinated by it. It might right. be. We'll find out. Yeah, we'll have to find out. I have hot takes. I'm mad. About what? This shit in Georgia and Alabama with the, with, with the abortion stuff. Well, let's definitely take a break. Let's have the <laughs> sports part now, and then we'll take a break, because I definitely want to hear these hot takes. I had no idea about this. You haven't heard about any of this? No, I've heard about it. I haven't heard about your hot takes on it. You probably want to separate it from the sports, though. St. Louis Happy Hour podcast. Brought to you by HenryKitchenAndBath.com. Or Henry Kitchen and Bath. Visit them online, HenryKB.com. 14 area locations. They have the stuff that you don't have at your average big box store. You can find different European and American uh, styles of plumbing fixtures. If for your next plumbing project, please go see our friends at Henry Kitchen and Bath. Visit them online. Find your nearest location at HenryKB.com. Political and religious takes coming up after the break. Here on the St. Louis Happy Hour Podcast on the St. Louis Podcast Network. St. Louis Happy Hour Podcast, St. Louis Podcast Network. Andy Hanselman, John Alpina Sander. It's the 504 Boys bringing us back. God. 2001? Somewhere around there. Sorry if you have kids in the car. <laughs> That'll wake them up. <laughs> Earmuffs. Earmuffs. Brought to you by... I'm going to pot that down while we're talking about the sponsor. Brought Probably to you by does. Henry Kitchen and Bath. Visit them online at henrykb.com. All right, so as you're probably aware, states like Georgia and Alabama have... And even Missouri, uh, the governors have signed or uh, have signed into law these crazy abortion bills. Okay, I have read about these a little bit. Georgia's much discussed new law. This is from the New York Times, by the way. Georgia's much discussed new law on abortion is one of the most restrictive in the nation. Abortion will be banned as early as six weeks into pregnancy before many women even know they are pregnant. The law goes even further, though. 
Although the intent of the law is to block abortion, it is open to vigorous debate on whether women who miscarry could be questioned or even prosecuted for murder. The new law, which goes into effect on January, let's process that for a second, okay? I'm trying to. Could you read it one more time? That, that This that. law goes even further, though. Although the intent of the law is to block abortion, it is open to vigorous debate about whether women who miscarry could be questioned or even prosecuted for murder. Oh, get out of here. The new law, which goes into effect January 1st, gives a six-week-old fetus the legal status of a human being. One definition of second-degree murder in Georgia includes cruelty to children during which he or she causes the death of another human being irrespective of malice. This raises the question of whether woman who, a woman who miscarries because of what is perceived to be her conduct could be held liable for that conduct. The, uh, quote, this suggests that women who caused the death of a fetus with or without malice could be charged with secondary murder, said Eric Segal, a law professor at Georgia State University and a supporter of abortion rights. He said the law would most likely be struck down in the lower courts. Even if the Supreme Court reverses course on abortion, law enforcement authorities with scarce resources may not investigate women this way. One would hope, he said, that there would be a political cost if they did. But he noted, given the, amb- the ambiguity, amb- ambiguities in the new law and its complex interactions with other Georgia statutes, prosecutors could have a lot of discretion and it would be completely up to them. Who the fuck are you? First of all. I'm going to let Andy go here for a minute, guys. Who do these fuckers think they are to dictate what a woman can and can't do with her body? It's it's that part is absolutely infuriating to me. Here's what's even here's what's even crazier. Think ponder this for a minute, okay? A woman can carry one baby for nine months. Mm-hmm. A man could impregnate hundreds of women. Could mm-hmm. in theory in that in theory in that nine month period as well. Mm-hmm. Where's the control for for men? If you're gonna dictate this on women. How do you not dictate it on men as well? And that's coming from a man. It's actually a very, it's actually a very good point. I've honestly never thought about it. Um, uh, I never I don't thought know about if, it I don't in know that if, context. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if, that if that's a silly argument or not. You no. know, but it's no, it's not a silly argument. It's a fair argument. It's an honest argument. I mean, because in theory, you, uh, a gentleman could go out and knock somebody up, and then just keep knocking people up. Keep knocking people up. Yeah, I had, to, I had to mute the microphones for for me to for yeah. me to do it, for me to say what I just needed to say. But uh, Stacey Fox, president of Planned Parenthood Southeast, told the Washington Post she didn't think that the Georgia law could be used to successfully prosecute women, but that woman who miscarried could be pulled into an investigation looking at whether someone performed an illegal abortion on her. So let me let me let me preface like my thought on this whole situation, um, and and maybe just take it step back for me. So my dad was adopted. Uh, my father was adopted. So to me, without um, you know, without adoption, without pro life, uh, somebody like my father might not exist. Right? My gra- Which- my my grandmother as well. She was adopted when she was uh, actually kind of late in life. I think she was adopted when she was probably ten or eleven. Right. So so for me, I am obviously a pro life person uh, based on the fact that you know. Without pro-life, my father very well may not have existed, i.e. I may not have existed. You know what I mean? So, sure. Um, 
selfishly, I'm going to say that uh, I'm obviously, I lean more pro-life. Uh, the other side of the argument for me is, um, often with me, I don't ever see anything as just black or white. I see things very down the middle, so I see both sides, which sometimes makes me what some might call like a fence straddler. But that's just how I am. I'm just... Sure. I, I see a lot of both sides of each I story. I do too. Exactly, which is why we get along so well is 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 because of that. And when it comes to the abortion thing, I also believe in the 100% fact that it is a woman's choice to do what she wants with her body. That's just... That is the thing. So I'm in a weird like paradox where I'm like half of me goes, I believe in pro-life because again, without it, you know, I've got cousins that are adopted. So again, sure. if, if the choice was made and, the, and their mother would have been pro-choice or if that was the only option, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, so I, I see both sides telling a woman what she can do with her body, though, telling her she can't like, I mean, what happens if it's incestuous? What happens if it's rape? What happens? I mean, like, yeah, I, I'm sure it addresses that in the law. Does it? It does. It, it doesn't. It doesn't like matter. It, it's, it's, None it's, of that matters. It's any. It's, it doesn't matter. It's any pregnancy. That, that's, that, that's just so stupid. So why take it that far? Why take it that far? It was. So this is from the again, like I said, from the New York Times, a very liberal you know, yes. writing newspaper. It would be helpful, of course, if, you know, with their sure their commentary, if legislators and judges and prosecutors, legislators and judges and prosecutors, understood the basics of miscarriage. Early pregnancy loss is not uncommon. It occurs in about 10% of recognized pregnancies. Recognized. Keep that in mind. Four out of five cases occur in the first trimester, which is why women typically don't announce that they're pregnant until after 12 weeks. Many women miscarry before they know they're pregnant. About half of miscarriages are because of abnormalities in the fetal chromosomes. Mm -hmm. These defects are usually incompatible with life and spontaneous abortions occur the chance of an early pregnancy loss rises with age. While it is less common in younger women, about 80% of pregnancies in 45-year-old women can end this way. Without randomized controlled trials, which really aren't possible here, we can't know for sure what is causing many miscarriages not involving chromosomal abnormalities. We have a great deal of information about what is associated with them, but that is not the same. I, I have a huge problem with anyone, any government, telling anyone really what they're allowed to do with their day-to-day life. Unless you are committing a crime. Unless you are a murderer, a robber. If you're incarcerated, you're yes. You're if told you, when to go piss. If you are breaking a real, legitimate law, then I have no problem with the government telling you what to do. Outside of that, I'm the same way. You know how I feel about like the weed stuff. Like, right. You shouldn't be able to tell me I can't smoke weed, but I'm allowed to go get intoxicated as hell on Jack Daniels. Like and, I'm allowed to get blackout drunk, but I can't smoke chronic. Like I don't understand... Like the again, the what is the paradox there? Why are you allowed to tell me that? Like, why should the government be allowed to tell me that? So, when it comes to the abortion stuff, how could a government official tell a woman again, regardless of if it's incestuous? Like, how do they tell somebody who got raped? Uh, yeah, you uh, you cannot get rid of this child. You have to live with not only that. You know what I mean? Like, you have to. I I, I don't know. I, I don't understand them being able to tell a woman that. I mean, Roe v. Wade was 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 upheld in 1972, mm-hmm. which is what which is what allows women to get to make abortion legal. Yes, in the in the United States of America, because before then, abortion was illegal, and all these women were dying mm-hmm. because they were having illegal abortions. Yes. And again, I also see, again, here's where I start to fence straddle and it'll drive some people crazy. I also see that every life is, 
and I don't mean to say cliche, but every life is precious. It absolutely again, is. Without every life, things like my dad don't exist. You know, it, it's just it's it's a hard thing for me. So like I, I if you're going to ask me, am I pro-abortion? I'm not pro-abortion. I'm just not anti-abortion. So and here's and here's I think part of the deal is this as well. And, and it's and it's a generational difference. I think it's possible that and I don't I, I don't know of many women who would admit to it. But baby boomers used abortion as a form of birth control. Mm-hmm. No, I can see that. I don't think that would happen as much today. No, because we have other remedies, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, adoption was 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 an available, you know, solution back no, then but I as mean, well. I mean, but the pill didn't really come into what, like nineteen sixty nine? Wasn't it like sixty yeah, nine? And it wasn't even you know, it wasn't even that effective. Right. Birth control is much more effective than what it used to be back then as well. Right. So nowadays, a lot of people, unless they're not on the pill or on some sort of contraceptive, uh, as long as they're not trying actively, most of the time you're not generally going to become pregnant. If you're on the pill or if you're using contraceptives, like for the most part, your chances are very, very slim. So that kind of limits that that number. You know what I mean? Keep talking. I'm looking something up. I don't know. I just... <clears throat> Again, for me, um, I, I don't know. I'm, here's, I'm in the here's, middle. Here's what I'm I got right here. I'm definitely not on the side of the government in this extreme measure. I am 100% against that. I want that on the record. If you've watched, you know, and I, and I, I, I go back to, it's, it's a fictional show, but, it was, but, the, but the book was actually written in the mid-80s, and it's The Handmaid's Tale. Oh, it's based on a book. I didn't know that. Yeah, based on a book. The first season is the, is the book to a T. Okay. Seasons two and so far season three are their, are their own thing. Thank God in the newer seasons, the rapes have stopped. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, I was reading a story that uh, Joseph Fiennes, who plays Commander, uh, he's Fred, mm-hmm. Fred, uh, Fred Waterford, okay, uh, one of the main characters of the show, and Serena Waterford, played by a woman named, she has like a Russian name, she's absolutely stunning, beautiful, but there was a scene where they go to Canada on like a peace mission from Gilead, Gilead is now the United States of America in this program, okay, and that's, you know, that's the name of the country. And he's supposed to rape her in the hotel room in Canada. And he's, he said, I'm not doing that. I'm, I'm not going to. And so he spent time on the phone with the producers of the show and, and, and everybody else. I think this was during season two. And he says, I'm, I'm not participating. And in again, this. the story, the backdrop, the plot of Handsmaid's Tale is what? So there's been a coup. And this is futuristic? Yeah. This is in the future. In the future. Okay. Uh, the, the setting for the show is Boston. But they, but and now they're making references to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's an there's an uprising in Chicago mm-hmm. against. Uh, I can't think of what they call the uh, of what they call the Americans or the or the, or the people or the people who still want to be American. Mm-hmm. Um, but now um, the, there's a very powerful group of people, and they are the commanders. They're kind of like senators, right? I, I get it, and they're they they're kind of the controlling. The controlling body, if you will, of the country. Yeah, and they have different classes of people. So they're so a lot of their wives are for some reason they're infertile. Okay, I don't know why that is. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is then they send basically send militia people or you know like armed men out and they gather up the fertile women and make them handmaids. And then so then they, so then they have these they have these once a month once a month ceremonies, quote unquote, where the uh, handmaid will lay on the bed between the wife's legs and the 
man will impregnate them. Wow. Oh, it's fucked up. Oh, it's dark. It's fucked up. It's really fucked up, man. Oh, my God. We're not far from it. It sounds like such a far-fetched, but you watch this show, and you're like, that could happen. That could happen. Like I said. I don't know. I I shouldn't say it's not that far-fetched. It's 80% far-fetched, but it could happen. I'm just against um, the limiting of what people are allowed to do, again, within reason. Within reason. Like, so, again, if you're a robber or a murderer or a rapist, you deserve to go to jail. I don't think I'm really breaking any ground here with that. But, like, having the choice to do what you want with your body, I thought your point was actually a really great example of why are men allowed to go around and just... Fuck whatever they want. Excuse me, but hump and dump, and then literally yeah. they there's no repercussions. That is a really good point that I honestly never thought about as a male. This is from uh, this is from the Guttmacher Institute. I'm not sure where Guttmacher is. G U T T M A C H E E R. Sounds German. Yeah, Guttmacher. Guttmacher. Uh, I just I googled unwanted pregnancy uh, statistics. Uh, unintended pregnancy rates declined globally from 1990 to 2014. Rates of unintended pregnancy have decreased globally since 1990, according to a new study published today in the Lancet Global Health. While the unintended pregnancy rate fell worldwide from 1990 to 1994 to 2010 to 2014, it dropped less sharply in developing regions than in developing regions. 16% to 30%. Uh, the researchers found that during most the most recent period between 2010 and 2014, an estimated 44% of pregnancies worldwide were unintended. This translates to a rate of 62 unintended pregnancies per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44, a decrease from 74 per 1,000 women in 1990, 1994. The overall difference between overall unintended pregnancy rates in developing and developed regions is notable in 2010 to 2014, there were 65 unintended pregnancies per 1,000 women aged 15 to 44 in developing regions with compared with 45 per 1,000 in developed regions. The high unintended pregnancy rate in developing regions corresponds with a substantial unmet need for contraception in these parts of the world. So basically what they're saying is, like you, like the, like the point that you were trying to make, right. there's more options. There's much more options now. The amount of unwanted pregnancies are way, way down. Drop, dress. I would love to know what they are from 1970 to now. They would be huge down. Huge. I mean, they've got it now to where these these like uh, these pills and whatnot are like 99.1% effective. So, I mean, it's less than 1% chance of getting pregnant. If you're not trying. If you're not pulling the goalie. I actually found I, I actually, pulling the goalie. I actually have something that I think you'd actually like to listen to. Um, if you if you'd like to look it up, it's Leslie Jones. Yeah, comedian. And, yes, and she talks about it on SNL. If you look up Leslie Jones abortion, um, she did a. It's, I think it's like a couple minutes, two minutes, maybe something like that, where she literally goes off and she's dressed up as a handsmaid. That's what made me think of it, and she talks about it, and she's not joking. She like goes off and i think speaks for i would say i'm not i'm not a woman but speaks for the majority of women in what she says and how she feels about how women's bodies are being now essentially regulated i mean that's essentially what 
what they are doing. So this, so this said developing nations, they, they were at 45 mm-hmm. around uh, presently. 45 per 1,000. 45 what? 45 pregnancies per 1,000 were unwanted. Okay. Back in 1970, it was almost 80. So it's half as much. Yeah, so they've dropped by at least 50%. Yeah, all right, here's Leslie Jones. Oh, wait a minute, maybe not yet. So it dropped by 50%. Uh-huh. The 50. unwanted, mm-hmm. unwanted. So almost... For every 1,000 pregnancies, 45 now are unwanted. Correct. And then back then it was 80. Wow. Oh, that's not what I wanted. Well, the contraceptives, like I said, man, that's a big thing. Plus, people nowadays are, for the most part, a little bit safer. Mostly because they have to be, too. Kids aren't cheap. No. You know? I get it. I mean, I get that I get that part of it. Um, you know, I also get the part that people have the right. I also, I understand both sides. I understand pro-life and I understand pro-choice. Um, you know. And like I said, I'm not pro-abortion, but I'm not anti-abortion. No, I and I'm not, and I'm not really pro-abortion either. Right, but but you understand. But this motherfucker, there is a need in some cases, and women should have the right either way. This governor, and even this governor, and even Governor Mike Parsons in Missouri. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, yeah, it's going on here too. In our well, own except ground. for except for the, the legislator told him to get the fuck out of here. Right. I Good. mean, they said no. Yeah. No. All right. Here we go. Here's Leslie Jones. Well, damn it, if I could, you know, have my audio turned up correctly. That's okay. All right, here we go. This week, Alabama passed a near-total ban on abortion. (laughs) And what many say is part of a larger effort to overturn Roe v. Wade. Here to comment is our own Leslie Jones. (laughs) Blessed be the fruit, Colin. Are you in a Handmaid's Tale outfit? Well, basically, we're all handmaids now, so my name is actually of Jost. (laughs) But I don't know how good of a baby maker I'm going to be because my eggs is dusty as hell. (laughs) But I'll give it a shot. I don't think, Leslie, I don't think society is quite there yet. No? You would think that, right? (laughs) You would think that. But this is how it starts. I'm out living my life. Then I see on the news a bunch of states are trying to ban abortion and then tell me what I can and can't do with my body. Next thing you know, I'm in Starbucks and they won't take my credit card because I'm a woman instead of the regular reason, which is I don't have no money on it. (laughs) And what made me so mad was seeing the 25 Alabama senators who voted for the abortion ban. Throw that picture up. (laughs) Look at them. All men. This looked like the casting call for a Lipitor commercial. (laughs) This looked like the mug shots of everyone arrested at a massage parlor. And if any of them had lips, I would tell them to kiss my entire ass. You can't control women. Because uh, I don't know if y'all heard, but women are the same as humans. And I'm Leslie Dracaris Jones. I mean, why do all of these weird-ass men care about what women choose to do with their bodies anyway? I don't care what you do with your 65-year-old droopy-ass balls. (laughs) 
Alabama's woman governor going along with this. What? You're not rebe- I mean, I'm rebellious from the top. When people tell me good morning, I say, no, it's not. <laughs> you don't know my morning. Don't take away my choice to have a bad morning. Because women, because when women have a choice, women have freedom. That's right. That's right. That's right. You tell them, Leslie. Shut up. <laughs> you flat white privilege latte. <laughs> Look, the fact that nine states are doing this means this really is a war on women. And if you're a woman out there and you feel scared or confused, just know that you're not alone. There's so many women out there that got your back, especially me. Leslie Dracaris, that bitch Jones. You can't tell me what to do with my body. You can't make me small or put me in a box. I'm six feet tall and 233 pounds. (laughs) Ain't no box big enough to hold me. And I know, because one time I tried to mail myself to a dude. (laughs) Let's make jokes, everyone. That's what meant she brought up the point, too. Why do these people care? And I think, and and it's and it is control, and it goes back to a religious thing mm-hmm. that it, no, it's it's not morally right for these women to be having abortions. Yeah, go eat your fucking grits and mm-hmm. shut the fuck up. Yeah, yeah, I'm pissed about it, man. It's wrong. I I always so like I always go back to what you've mentioned quite a few times, which is like you have to believe in the good in people. You know, like yeah. you, you always look for the good in people, uh, regardless of if you can find it or not right away. And I and I tend to believe that uh, that this will this will play out the way it properly should play out. I, I would imagine that it will, which is eventually things will go back to normal, more normal one way or another. And I don't mean that in like an anti-Trump way. I'm not I'm not saying that. No. That seems, I'm not saying that either. I, I mean, I, I don't think this really has does a anything lot, to do does, with him. Does a lot of this stuff coincide with him being president? Yes. Does it have anything to do with him? Nah. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I think this has to do with uh, is just there a, a bigger picture of people wanting to control people. Is there a new batshit vocal majority, or is it the same vocal minority that's been causing the shitstorm all along, all these years? About with all, but now they just have a little more traction. To where they had 25 Alabama senators to vote to uphold this abortion law. I think they're just a little bat crap down in Alabama in general. They are. I mean, that's where all this crap starts. I mean, the South I mean, is, this a is a little where, different. I mean, this is where the Civil, I mean, the Civil War started. Not in Alabama, but, you know, but they were yeah. they were one of the first to jump on South Carolina's bandwagon. Yeah. yeah the South is just a little different. It's a little different. So that's why I don't get, um, well, obviously I'm not a woman, first off. Second off... Um, since I, I land in the middle of understanding both sides, not understanding the side of the government doing what they're doing, but understanding pro-life and, and, and uh, pro-abortion. Um, I, I, I don't get as worked up about it just because I feel like it will play out the way it needs to play out and will play out properly. I do. I always believe in that, whether that's naive or not. I just believe that things play out the way they're supposed to. Or things could just become the status quo. True. True. 
That is that is the scary part of it. Yes. Yeah. I mean, as somebody with a daughter, it's it's terrifying. It it has to be terrifying. Yeah. And I mean, it just totally terrifying. I was terrified the other day just because I was at the gym. Just a little side story here. I was at the gym the other day and I saw these two teenagers, one boy, one girl. And the guy was just like, the way he was talking to her and like touching her and shit. It was just like, ah, oh, this dude's like a creep, man. I yeah. mean, they were both the same age. They're obviously like boyfriend, girlfriend. But sure. I'm like, it was just like a controlling kind of pipsqueak asshole teenager. And I was like, ah, this guy. And once you have a daughter, man, you're like, eh. I don't know if Hate it's a, guy. I don't know if it's a cultural thing or not. Um, but Jay's talked about it and I've seen it as well, but Asian men are very dominant over their wives That's definitely and I've, a culture thing. and I've seen it on the golf course Yeah, where like, and there was a, uh, a, a, a girl on the golf team and, uh, her dad was a dentist and him and his wife would come out to play, they'd go and play golf and you'd, you'd see it. She, he'd, she'd hit a bad shot and he'd walk over and was like, was like, Hit her on the hit her on the thigh, just you know, just kind of mm, just a little jab like that. Fuck is wrong with people? Because she because she was embarrassing him. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the stuff in other cultures, especially Asian cultures. Yeah, and I don't. Like yeah, it wasn't anything super violent, yeah. but just he wanted her to know that he was displeased with her performance on the golf course. Well, in the United States, uh, and this is fortunately, but fortunately, women have way more rights than women do across the world. Thank God. Thank God. I mean, I, I've never understood the, the not having rights stuff. I, I don't I don't understand it. I don't get it. When, honestly, the, when the WWE does shows in, like, Saudi Arabia, yeah, women can't attend those shows. Yeah. It's so weird. And they can't have the women wrestlers out there either. So weird there. That's why they're all repressed. I swear that's why they bomb us and shit. It's because they're all sexually repressed and weird. That's I mean, a hot take and, I have. And to think... To think that there are countries more sexually repressed than the United States of America? Oh. Uh, exponentially more sexually repressed. They don't even have porn, dude. <sighs> they have to hide their porn. Their women have to be covered from head to toe. That's such weird, weird shit over there. It's so weird. Don't get me wrong. This is really weird what's happening here in, in the United States with this abortion issue that we're having. But look, even in 2019, how sex is handled on television. And, and, the, and we were talking earlier, too, or a few episodes ago, about swear words on television, about what you about what you still can and can't say on national television. Mm-hmm. Although the Blues seem to have taken care of some of the uh, f bombs, yeah. <laughs> I think there are about twenty on NBC on Wednesday night. Love it. They don't <laughs> they don't give a shit. I love it. But the um, you know the the fact that you know there's there's billboards in Europe that show women's naked breasts because mm-hmm. they're just boobs. Mm-hmm. And yet, this country, they're still... Well, that's religious stuff here. That's why it's like that here. That's religious right still. That's why that's like that. Yeah. Any of the backward stuff is normally associated with religious right. And control, if we're being honest. It's control stuff. And this comes from a guy who's raised Catholic. I was raised Catholic. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying anything out of, out of school I tell you here. what. I thought, I thought that this country was at its worst when... Michelle Bachman and her fucking little tea party were having their were having their shit show back in about 2016, mm-hmm. 2014, somewhere in there. Maybe maybe even maybe maybe even been like 2012. Um, and be like, oh my god, I hope to God that never happens here. Right. It came close. Yeah. They almost got their guy in. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know. I, I I think 
I, the thing that's most disturbing to me about the state of the country in general is that you you have to be either Republican or you have to be Democrat. I'm I'm bi- I'm really against that. And I, I hate, and I, I I want people to know too that I mean, while I find while I find these encroachments against women's rights appalling, um, I I neither really identify as a Democrat or a Republican. Right, like me, I. I vote my conscience. Mm-hmm. I do my research. I find out who I think is a good person. I want to dig into these twenty-five senators from Alabama, and I know I mentioned Georgia in the in the in the previous article. It's happened in both states. Mm-hmm. This thing from this thing with uh, with Leslie Jones was, was from back in early May, right? The Alabama, yeah. So Alabama was one was one of the first states to do it. Um, Find out, let's find out how morally upstanding these gentlemen are. They're not. They're politicians. They're not. They're huge pieces of fucking trash. I, at least half of them are. I guarantee it. And like I said, I honestly, truly believe in, in it'll all play out. Look at that golden boy, Eric Greitens. Yeah. Look what happened to him. Look what happened to him. It played out. It played out. It always plays out. He got busted. It always plays out. For being a scumbag. It always plays out. Don't that's, be how, a, that's how I view the world. Like I like it because like, you're right. It all plays out. Just like with the ass, like when you have an asshole that cuts you off in traffic, I guarantee you at some point the karmic stuff gets him. Eventually it happens. I, even if it's something small, he gets a ticket, something, something happens to that guy eventually. I promise you it always happens that way. I don't know. I, I understand. I understand the anger behind it. Absolutely. Especially now that I have a daughter and especially um, the way the world I just wish everybody wouldn't have to take everything to such drastic measures. Like, it doesn't have to be so black and white. Like, it could just, if we could just hang in the gray, I think everything would be a little bit better. Like, just hang out in the gray. You know, accept people for who they are. Let them be who they're going to be. You know, obviously, as long as they're not being terrible people, you know, just let people be who right. they're going to be, man. And, and cause, Just let it be. I mean, exactly. Just let people be. Because I've always found, like, if you ever look back in history, anytime anyone takes a real drastic measure, it always comes back in history as, like, a negative way. Like, whenever you go over the top on something, there's always, when you look back on history, it always plays out poorly. Like, so you have to find that gray area. You have to. You have to. Otherwise, what the hell are you doing? I don't understand it. I don't get it either. I don't know. I just I, I I and I I just I don't know where. Again, I, it goes back to the religious to the religious right, which is just I mean it's, it's those I mean and that's people like what do you call it uh, that church over in Kansas. Those fuck sticks. See, I stay so out of it. I don't even pay attention to it. Oh, they're the ones who go who go uh, protest at funerals. Oh God! See, I don't even. I wouldn't even give those people the time of day. No, I wouldn't even give them the time of day. Don't even acknowledge them. I guess I just, um, I'm so um, hashtag self-absorbed that I just don't even pay attention to that yeah. stuff, man. Like, I pay attention to sports. I pay attention to my my wife, my kid. Uh, I watch my TV shows that I watched. And yes, when it's political stuff, I try to watch both sides, you know. And then I, I make my own decision and I move on from there. And I try not to let it consume me one way or another. I try not to. All right, let's do 10 minutes to take it or leave it. 
Oh, cool. Nice. And we're going to wrap it up. Got some music? Yeah, I'm getting some. Nice. Let me get it queued up before we get started here. Yeah, let me get some, uh, take it or leave it. Oops. <laughs> I was coming out of the wrong speakers. <clears throat> Sounds like it's some bumping jams, though. Uh, Hell yeah. Hells to the yeah. Pot that down. I need to pot that down, too. Yeah. Yes. All right, Andy, it is time for your uh, favorite segment of the day called Take It or Leave It. Yeah, Take It or Leave It. Let's do it. And I'll tell you what, this one's going to start out a little bit fun for you. Yeah, uh, please do after that very serious last topic we talked about. You enjoy barbecue, don't you? I love barbecue. Uh, well, there is a company right now, Take It or Leave It, that is offering you the chance to eat ribs and travel the country all while making $5,000 a week. Sign me up. Reynolds Wrap. Yep, the same people that make Yeah, foil. Yep is looking for someone to travel across the United States in search of the tastiest ribs. If the savory barbecue wasn't enough, they're also handing out $10,000 to go along with it. The person chosen will travel across the country for the first two weeks of August in search of the best barbecue in America. Along the way, uh, they will be posting photos, grilling techniques, and uh, other uh, multimedia on the company's website and social media challenges okay. or uh, channels. This is such a cool thing, man. I'm in. How do you, you sign up for it? Uh, you go to their website, and you have you got to apply. What it, what's today? Monday. Yep. Uh, by Wednesday, June 19th, you apply on the Reynolds Wrap uh, website, and you can be eating ribs and getting paid five thousand dollars to do it. And what are some of the criteria that they're looking for? I'm sure they're looking for somebody outgoing. Well, of course, they're looking for somebody fun, and outgoing, and I'm so it does say a social media influencer. So that that knocks me out. Well, I that knocks me out. I'm not an influencer. I'm still trying to get to those. So I need I need everybody to follow me on Instagram. A Hanselman seven seven A H A N S E L M A N seven seven. I don't even. You're on the Insty. I'm on the Insty, and if I supposedly if you if you have like over a thousand followers on the Insty, you're an influencer. Really? Maybe it's twenty five hundred. Wow. Maybe it's fifteen hundred. Anyway, like there was this thing with Southwest where they wanted somebody to travel. And like be their person, but you had, but you had to have over fifteen hundred uh, Instagram followers in order I feel to like do. That's it. totally possible. I have like fifteen hundred Facebook friends. I, I have almost two thousand Facebook friends. Yeah, I feel like that's absolutely possible for so, you to and, get that. Uh, yes. And what is your handle again? It's my first initial, last name seventy seven. A Hanselman seventy seven. Go follow him. Folks. Go follow me on the Insties, Instagrams. Let him be an influencer. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Question two. All right, it's not really a question. It's just take it or leave it. All right. Uh, Colorado surpasses $1 billion in marijuana tax revenue. Good for them. Uh, this story from KMOV Channel 4. Colorado has generated more than $1 billion in tax revenue from marijuana sales since legalizing recreational pot in 2014. By the way, Missouri, listen up. Make Illinois, it legal. Make it legal. Recreational. Legal. Did you, did you hear what Illinois passed earlier this or a couple weeks ago? No. It kind of got buried with all the blue stuff. Okay. Uh, they are legalizing gambling at the horse racing tracks. Okay. Which is a huge, huge deal. Okay. Because they are, they're, they were down because of the casinos. Mm-hmm. So now at the, so at horse racing, tra- so like here in the St. Louis area, it's going to be a Fairmont racetrack, Sage off-track betting and Alton off-track betting. You'll be able to have slot machines. 
table games and the horse, and the, you can bet on the horse oh, racing. Wow, that's huge. Huge. That'll be deal. huge revenue too. Huge deal. Pritzker's off to a good start. I mean, outside of his own personal woes, <clears throat> it's not a bathroom. It doesn't have a toilet in it. <laughs> it. Has a drain for a toilet. No toilet. Not a bathroom. Uh, by the way, if you were wondering, Colorado has sold six point five billion dollars worth of marijuana. Six point five billion with a B. Uh, in a statement released Wednesday, Colorado Governor Jared Pulley said the state's cannabis industry is, quote, thriving. Colorado now has nearly 3,000 licensed marijuana businesses and more than 40,000 people who are licensed to work in the industry. Wow, that's huge, dude. That's Re- crazy. Revenue from the marijuana sales has helped fund several statewide programs, which is also why I want it to happen. We need better roads. We need things like that. We Missouri, do. Including mental health services, youth need literacy those too. Initi- initiatives, anti-bullying programs in schools, and criminal justice diversion. See? There's good things. Talk about health. You ever watch Dr. Pimple Popper videos? No. Lauren likes that crap. You watch that? I love those things. Oh, it doesn't make you get sick? So are you familiar with what, with, with what a lipoma is? No. Okay. What is well, that? I have one. It's like a it's like a little fatty deposit, and so like you see people with, like weird bumps, yeah, like on their stuff. Yeah. Well, she goes and she'll cut that stuff out. It's just like this big thing of skin and fat, and just uh. a little deposit. Well, I have one in a very, very indescript spot. Oh my god! On my ball sack. Uh. What's the hook gonna be? Take it or leave it. Uh, man in <laughs> Kentucky. Got a DWI while on a horse and buggy. No. Yeah, yeah. Smith Grove police responded to a collision between a car and a horse-drawn carriage last Tuesday uh, on the 1400 block of Hydroponsville Road in Kentucky. Uh, officers arrived on the scene and discovered that Reuben Yonder, and you <laughs> have to see Reuben Yonder's photo uh from the police. Is Ruben an Amish? He is an Amish fella. Uh, the driver of the carriage was under the influence of alcohol. Yonder and his eight passengers. Are, are they Are they allowed to drink? Do the Amish drink? I didn't think they were. I didn't think they were, but I guess he was arrested huh. uh, per this report. He was arrested for operating a non-motor vehicle under the influence and endangerment of people and criminal mischief. They're going to kick him out. Mischief. They're going to kick him out of the Amishes. Wow. Fun fact, you can get a DUI on just about anything, anything in Kentucky. Oh, my God. That's crazy. God, that's crazy. Uh, have, you ever, have you ever been to Kentucky Lake before? Uh, I don't think so. No. Great little spot. Dry County, though. Okay. I hate that. So what you have to do is they have a, there's a, say a little lodge there that has some nice little condos. And they have a bar. Mm-hmm. And they provide all the mixers. But you bring your own alcohol in, and you put your own alcohol in a locker. Okay. And so when you go to, so when you want to order something, she goes to your locker and she gets your your beer or your booze out of the locker and pours it in, however much you want, and then and then tops it off with soda. I think the drinks are two or three bucks. That's how you get around it. And that's how they get it. Well, no, because they allow you. I guess you can bring your own to the bar. Yeah. But that's just how they control it. Um. So yeah, I'm just going back to people not drinking and dry counties. It's just weird. I do find it a little strange. Even like even like the lake, the lake is dry. You're not supposed to drink beer. You're not supposed to have open cans of beer when you're when you're boating on the lake. That's really strange. you can drink you can kind of drink them out of like a red solo cup. Yeah, they won't bother you too much if you're doing that. If you're not like openly openly pushing it in their openly face. pushing it, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not up for the dry county stuff. Yep, me either. All right, 
Uh, take it or leave it. Hey, do you remember Good Burger? Yeah, Welcome keep- to Good Burger, home of Good Burger. Can I take your order? You remember that? Yeah, Keenan Thompson. Yeah. Big SNL star. Been on SNL since like 2002 or something like that. Well, it looks like they're actually opening up a Good Burger restaurant. I'm not kidding. Okay. Uh, I'm reading here from People Magazine. Uh, opening July 10th, so real soon. The eatery, created in the partnership with the same team who launched Saved by the Max and Saved by the Bell. Very nice. Yeah, so I didn't even know there was a Saved by the Max. I didn't either. Uh, will include fictional chains, signature burgers, good burgers, good shakes, and good chunks, as well as merchandise for purchase, games, and fun photo opportunities. Uh... Star Kel Mitchell explains in a promo video uh, reservations for the West Hollywood. Wow, it's going to be in West Hollywood. Wow. Uh, start at 10 a.m. And you can snag your first spot at goodburgerpopup.com. I can't believe they're putting it in West Hollywood. I really can't. Uh, have you ever been to West Hollywood? I've never been to Los Angeles. Really? Yeah. Los Angeles is great. But I, I've heard. I honestly cannot believe that. That seems a little strange. Uh, let's see. Let's find one more that you might like. Ooh. Do you fall asleep with the television on? No TV in the bedroom. That's right. You said you guys don't do that. I find that a little strange. I've had a TV my whole life. But you guys actually might be on the right thing. Because uh, per this report, take it or leave it, sleeping with the television on may be making you gain weight. Well... A new study suggests dozing with the TV or lights on could throw off your metabolism and pose real health risk. This is done by a U.S. research firm, uh, the National Institute. I'm sure it's the same deal having your phone in bed with you. Right. The National Health Institute uh, published this last Monday saying evidence of too much exposure of light, like you're saying, can pose health risks. Evolutionarily... We are supposed to be sleeping at night in a dark place, said lead author Dale Sandler. Ooh, close to my name. A scientist with the National Institute of Environmental Health Scientists. Uh, It's much more important than people realize for a whole variety of health reasons. Daily exposure to light and darkness helps maintain our 24-hour body clock, which helps regulate our metabolism, sleep-promoting hormones, blood pressure, and other bodily functions. Mounting research suggests disrupting our typical sleep style, which seems to be a huge risk here in the United States. Uh, is leading to poor health, increasing risk of high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, and obesity. Do you guys do phones and TV in bed? Uh, I mean, Lauren and I just literally plug our phones in and turn them over. I turn them you over because I don't, don't want to see the light when I'm sleeping. If I yeah. see the light, I wake me up out of a dead sleep. But do you do you browse your phone like before you go to sleep, or do you pretty much plug it in and turn it over? I browse it in the living room, and then I normally turn it over. Sometimes I browse it in bed. Sometimes. Yeah, I don't browse much in bed. I used to. I mean, I was talking to a guy that works here. He browsed uh, laying in bed for four and a half hours the other night. Or, oh, yeah, I can't do that. No. Yeah. It gives me, like, anxiety. I can't do that. Drives me nuts, too. Thank you very much for joining us on this wonderful episode. Episode 16. 16, kids, of the... 200 more to go. <laughs> the SCL Happy Hour Podcast. For John Sander, I'm Andy Hanselman. Thank you very much. Find us online at stlpodcast.com on the St. Louis Podcast Network.